We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Spiritual Appetizers. Small devotional tidbits to stimulate the spiritual appetite. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Today we're going to have a guest speaker. My older brother, Troy Johnson, is going to be weighing in on the topic that we're going to be talking about today. The topic for discussion today in episode 51 is going to be from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Jesus expected his parents to know that he was about his father's business. In Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, the Bible reads, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in their company... They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answered. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. In today's world, we have a problem today. We have a problem that we are raising children that do not know God. We have a problem that is, if is not handled, the church is going to fall apart because the children that are being raised today are going to be the, the leaders of the church of tomorrow. And if we're not raising them appropriately, then what is the church going to do? Here in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, we have Jesus at 12 years old. And he told his parents, I must be about my father's business. And he also, in this, implied that they should have known where he was. Now, I'm going to bring my brother into this conversation, and he's in a place uh, where he's not guaranteed to have a signal. So if he drops out, we'll continue the podcast without him. But I think he has some great insight in this uh, here. And so, Troy, uh, what do you have to say about this? I say that if you're going to have children in the public school system, you have to make uh, the Bible as important as math, science, reading, and arithmetic. Uh, If you don't, uh, they're going to get the impression that secular life is more important than uh, the, the soul. Oh, absolutely. And matter of fact, Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verses 4 through 10, where Moses told the children of Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. In verse 6 here, we find that the word of God has to be in the parent's heart first. And so if we're going to teach our children anything about God's word, we have to be in God's word studying it and know it. But it has to be, as Troy said, something that is more important than our physical education because of math and arithmetic and math and science and English and those things become more important than the word of God, then we are not seeking first the kingdom of God as Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But here Moses in verse 7 says, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way when you lie down, and when you rise up. And so part of their education on a daily basis, from the time they would get up in the morning till the time they went to bed, was learning about God. But today, we seem to prioritize the worldly pursuit of knowledge over the spiritual pursuit of knowledge. We send our children, like Troy said, into the battlefield to go to school for eight hours a day with people that are not Christian and who do not hold Christian values, is it any wonder they come back at the end of the day with the values of the people from school instead of the values of their parents in Christian living? If we're not equal, at least equaling the amount of time they spend in the scriptures with the amount of time that they spend in physical pursuits, how can we expect the scriptures to hold a higher place in their lives than the pursuit of physical things? In verse 7 here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, that's what this is about. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You see, that's every part of the day. From the time they got up in the morning to going through the daily chores of their life to going to the grocery store to the time they went to bed that night when they lied down, they were learning about God's word. This actually was more than the physical education by a long shot. If we do this, then we're going to have children that are strong in God's word that will know God's word and will be able to say that Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 is correct and train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. In verse 8, it says, And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Back when I was in school, in math, we had to learn multiplication. And we took time tests. Matter of fact, they gave us a minute to answer a hundred questions. And if you do not have your multiplication tables memorized, you cannot answer a hundred multiplication questions in one minute. You have to have them answer, uh, memorized so that you can just write them down just as quickly as you see the uh, question. That's the only way that you get a hundred of them done in a minute. Well, this is the way that our children need to know the Word of God. In verses uh, 8 and 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says they need to see them on the back of their hands. They need to see them on the back of their eyes. Well, when I would close my eyes when I was studying for these exams, 
these multiplication quizzes that had a hundred questions on them, I would literally see the answers on the back of my eyelids. I had looked at them so much that when I closed my eyes, I would imagine the, the answers to those questions. Those are the only way that I would get a hundred of them done in the time frame. And you could tell the ones that didn't study. You could tell the ones that were not ready for the test because they wouldn't make 20 in a minute because they'd have to sit there and think about it. But the ones that studied and knew it, they didn't have to think about it. As soon as they seen it, it was writing the answers down. But that's what those tests were for. And that's the way the Word of God needs to be to our children today. Troy, what do you think about that? I tend to agree. Corey, what's that verse in Corinthians about even memory? Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Hold on just a second. I'll turn there and read it. Give me just one second. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast, the King James Version here says, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And the scary thing in the world today is we have so many children today that are being raised to believe in vain because they do not know the Word of God. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you're not studying the Word of God to keep it in your memory, to memorize it so that you know it, then according to this, the Scriptures say you believe in vain. Paul, to the young gospel preacher Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In Luke's account in Acts, in Acts chapter 17, in verse 11, Luke would write of the Berean people, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. In Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, we have the young Jesus, 12 years old, and he's in the temple talking to the elders of the temple, and he's astonishing them with his knowledge and he's 12 years old. But did you know that at this time, Jesus was growing as a natural boy? This was nothing that any other 12-year-old at the time could have done if his parents would have held to the principles of Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, and it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and men. He increased in wisdom and in stature because his parents were teaching him these principles. They were teaching him how to be a godly young man. And this is why he said in verse 49 what he did. Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? In other words, you taught me to be about my father's business. Why don't you know that I'm about my father's business? If you would have thought for a moment and looked back at the way that you have been raising me, you would have known immediately where I was. You would have came here first, and you wouldn't have been saying you're, you were worried about us, about me. Why didn't you seek me? Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Now, there's something else that is implied here as well, is that this wasn't the first time that Jesus was about his father's business. If his parents knew that he was about his father's business or should have known that he was about his father's business, then he had demonstrated this principle in other places as well in his life. In Timothy, 
we have an example of this in Second Timothy when Paul is talking about Lois and Eunice, Timothy's parents. In Second Timothy chapter one, verses three through five. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Notice where Timothy's faith came from. It came from the fact that his mother and his grandmother were godly individuals living godly lives, and they were sharing that faith with Timothy. This is where our children get their faith, is by seeing us live ours and by studying for themselves and having a responsibility laid upon them from their parents. Notice that responsibility here. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. Verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. And so Paul would remind Timothy, stir up this gift. Don't stop. You saw your mother, you saw your grandmother living this way, and they have taught you properly. Now it's up to you to live the way that you need to live. And this is why Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 has a promise in it. Train up a child the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This promise is here because this is all Timothy ever knew. He didn't know anything different. And thus, going forward in his life, having known only service to God, what else was he to do? If we train our children to know nothing in their lives but service to God, when God says something, this is the way that it is, and this is the way that it's going to be in our families, then we're going to have a family much like Joshua's of Joshua's time. When Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why was he so confident that everybody around him would serve God? Well, he had raised them to do so. He had raised them to serve God by his example and by what he expected in their lives. And he would hold them to that standard. In other words, even if you decide to do something different, as long as you're living under my house, this is what we are going to do. And when they became parents themselves, what did they have to draw back on but what the example of Joshua was? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that's the decision that you make, your children are going to make that decision for their families when they grow up as well. And this is what Mary and Joseph had done for Jesus. They were making the right decisions in their lives. How do I know they were making the right decisions? Well, they were going to the feast to begin with. They were obeying God in what they were doing right then. They made the travel all the way from where they were to keep the feast of the Passover. And this was the example that they were setting for their son, Jesus, that God is so important that we're going to drop everything that we need to do today and go and be in service to God because this is what God has told us to do. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, it says, Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but so much more as you see that day approaching. I know we're all busy. I know we all have so much to do on Sunday. 
But we need to be like Joseph and Mary and drop what we have to do because God has commanded us to worship him on that day. And when we do this, our children see what's the most important thing in our life. When we put first the kingdom of God, as we're commanded to in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, then we're given an example to our children to follow that when it rolls around for them, when Sundays come around for them, when they're grown, they're going to say, my parents thought, saw this as so important in their life that no matter how busy they were, they put it down and went to services because God commanded them to do so, that that's what I'm going to do. You see, therein lies the promise. Troy, and wrapping this up today, any final closing words? I believe we've lost Troy, so we're going to close for today. So as we go about our lives today, let's take this little bit of food, apply it to our lives, digest it into our lives, and mold our lives around the Word of God. This has been Spiritual Appetizers, small devotional tidbits to stimulate the spiritual appetite. Thank you. So as we go about our lives today, Let's take this little bit of food and apply it to our lives, digest it into our lives, and mold our lives around the Word of God. This has been Spiritual Appetizers, small devotional tidbits to stimulate the spiritual appetite. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.